You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. So this morning, um, we're going to talk and look at at the book of Hosea, uh, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, and and that's our passage of of scripture this morning. And what we've we've done is we've emailed and uh, Facebooked a a bunch of our our missionaries and said, would you help us uh, speak this message? And so through Dropbox and Vimeo and YouTube, we've got them to send us their part of the message. So they'll be speaking with us this morning. Um, here's a picture of Leanne and I on our wedding day. Uh, 1989. Big b- hair. Big hair, big sleeves. I, you know, I, I look at that and go, wow. But we, we were so young when we got married. We were. And we asked our daughter, Robin, if she wanted to wear your wedding dress. If she And was... she said no, which I totally <laughs> couldn't get because it's such a beautiful 80s bride dress. But... Uh, yeah, we were so young when we got married, and it's interesting because we literally grew up together. And I find it interesting the the uh, the vows that we decided to say to each yeah, other. Yeah, we like we didn't want no none of those newfangled write your own vows kind of thing. <laughs> like we were going back to sixteen sixty two and the Book of Common Prayer vows because those are the real deal vows. <laughs> Which is so funny that we did that. But the things that we said were to have and to hold from, from this, this day, day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. And then we said these words. And, and there, too, I plight thee my troth. Does anyone have any <laughs> idea what, and there, too, I plight thee my troth means? And I, I'm not even sure that we knew no, what we were I saying. I think I did it. Yeah, I, I think I did it, too. But, yeah, so later in life, we decided to kind of figure out what we had promised to each other. And... Uh, Plight thee my troth is, is a pledge of truthfulness, faithfulness, and loyalty to the promise. Signing up to stand by at great risk and great cost. So why are we talking about this? Um, we just finished a marriage retreat with you and just loved it so much. Uh, the motif of marriage is seen throughout Scripture. The, the nature of the relationship that we have with Christ is, is illustrated through the metaphor of marriage. Christ is the bridegroom, the church is his bride. When you read through the Old Testament, the relationship that God had with Israel is often expressed through the metaphor of marriage as well. And this tells us something of the type of relationship that we, as human beings, as children of God, have with God himself. So this morning we're going to look at a description of this relationship between God and Israel found in the book of Hosea. Now I just want to give you a a bit of a context for this book before we get reading some of the scripture. Hosea was a prophet to Israel in the middle of the 8th century BC. When he is a prophet, when he is called out, Israel is in just a deep crisis as a society. They had come out of a period of oppression 
where they had been pressed down and they had come out of that into a period of wealth and luxury. And they were so proud of themselves. They had this sense that they were doing really well and it was because they were really great. But not everyone was wealthy. There was this extreme chasm between the rich and the poor. The economics were completely out of balance. The rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. The, the strong were actually taking advantage of the weak. The wealthy thought nothing of oppressing the widow and the orphan. In other words, the defenseless within the society. They thought nothing of oppressing them. People were even bought and sold on the public market. So, so human slavery and trafficking was very much a part of their society. And the poor were actually excluded from decision making. So the justice systems weren't helping them at all. And the rich thought, no, this is great. This is awesome because um, it, they were benefiting from it. And unfortunately, the religious systems, the, the places that the defenseless should have been able to go to for, for respite, were no better. Within those systems, there was blatant idolatry and corruption. Now, does any of this feel familiar as we describe this? Um, so it's oh, so interesting because we could be describing many of the injustices and idolatries that we see in our world today. And it's into this situation that God called Hosea to stand up and to speak out against the injustice and the idolatry and really to call them back to God. And to do this, Hosea is super creative, or God is creative through Hosea, when he uses a story of a bad marriage. So in the story, and it's one of the weirder ones in the Bible, uh, Hosea is ordered by God to marry a prostitute named Gomer. Hosea in, this, in the story represents God, and Gomer is a type representing Israel. Israel's passionate, chronic attraction for idols was like the lust of an adulterer. Israel was as unfaithful as a prostitute was. They have three kids together, and she continues to be unfaithful. He married a prostitute, no doubt, hoping that she would give up her sin and be devoted only to him, but she stayed a prostitute. In fact, later in, in the book, he goes down to the slave market and buys her back, literally buys her back. One scholar says that God and Israel are in a bad marriage. It's not working. Israel is disloyal, and it's like God is done. He's like, I've had enough. And it's shocking, kind of the, the way that he says it. You know, like, I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers, but forgot all about me. It's like, in verse 13, he's finished. I can't handle this relationship anymore. But then in verse 14, it's like God thinks about this. I don't want it to be this way. I want to be married to you. I will make a covenant with you. And he says, I will make you my wife forever. Now remember, she's being unfaithful. Showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. And I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And you will finally know me as the Lord. In spite of this infidelity, God renews the wedding vow. 
Hosea renews the wedding vow, saying, you will call me husband and not master. So implying a love relationship. So we want to focus on the vow that God makes. The vow is described in what we call five big words. Righteousness, justice, unfailing love, compassion, and faithfulness. This is actually a cluster of words. And as you read through scripture, you'll often... Um, stumble upon clusters of words like this. And they kind of all mean the same thing. They, they all mean fidelity, but, but it's almost like there's different shades that, that help fill out the larger concept because one word couldn't possibly cover it all. Within the cluster uh, in Hosea, there are two pairs of words, righteousness and justice and unfailing love and compassion. Uh, righteousness and justice are commonly paired throughout the Old Testament. They're almost used in writings like a slogan. slogan. So righteousness. What, what do you think of when you hear the word righteous? We, we automatically, most of us, start to think of, of purity or morality and, and personal piety. It's almost like keeping ourselves clean and righteous and, and uh, you know, keeping us, our, ourselves pure. But in God's vow of righteousness, that, that's not really what it means. In God's vow, he, he's vowing that he will act consistently according to his nature. He will always act out of who he is. He will relate to us in strength and loyalty and uprightness. He always does the right thing in his dealings with us. Now, justice implies that he deals with us with integrity and fairness. His desire is to seek the best for us whenever, whenever possible. Unfailing love. This is not a romantic, soft, gooey kind of love. Amen. The kind, the kind of love that you see like on really bad, you know, chick flicks or whatever, where whatever. This is so much stronger than that. Unfailing love is talking about a, a tenacity of relationship. A sense that I am going to stay with this no matter what happens. It's this, this crazy, crazy loyalty. Now, compassion translates womb-like mother love. Womb-like mother love. Is there anything more basic or raw than, than a love that a mother has for her infant? I tell you. You mess with my babies? Even now, they're all adults. You mess with my babies? This compassion, this, this womb-like mother love. Did you know that when a baby is growing inside a mom's womb, that the, the body is designed to feed the baby first? Say there's only so much vitamin C that the baby will get it first. And you know what? A mother would have it no other way because the baby is so helpless and a mother's heart is moved to care for, the, for, for and respond to every need out of a deep love. See, this helps us to understand the strong tie that God has with his children his ones who are helpless without him. He is moved by our need, and he loves us unconditionally. Now, faithfulness, at the heart of this word, is certainty. You know, when, when I think of this word, I actually picture a parent with a child in their arms, and the child is completely at rest, 
There's not even a, a sense that, oh, I wonder if I should be concerned that mom or dad is going to drop me at this moment. That there's no sense of that because, because those arms are so faithful and, and this child is not going to go anywhere. I will not drop you. Faithfulness. This is uh, Corey Block. Uh, what, he's in a restricted country. One of our missionaries. would want to be in a relationship with someone like me. I mean, let's face it. I... I screw up all the time. I want, it's not that I don't want to be good. I do. I want to be good. I want to be faithful. I want to be loving. I want to be pure of heart and mind and intention because he's worthy of it. He's worthy. Let's face it. He's worthy of that kind of attention from me. But I fail. I fail all the time. And I fail rock hard sometimes. And you know what, you guys? I, what I don't understand is what I don't deserve. And that is his total, enduring, unquenchable faithfulness. His tenacity toward me is totally perplexing. I don't get it. Because in spite of everything that I am, he is. And, and this relationship that we have, it's not even. It's not fair. It's not. Because he deserves so much better than I can give him. And I deserve so much worse than he gives me. And it's, you guys, it's not like, he, it's not like he's tolerating me. It's not like he's tolerating me to make himself look good. He's not. At the end of every day, full of whatever failure, whatever sin that I bring into the relationship, whatever unfaithfulness I draw toward him, he meets it with his love, with grace, with unending acceptance of me. And he says, look, I love you. I'm in this for the long haul. I love you. I'm pursuing you. I forgive you. I accept you all over again. And you guys... You guys, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But he's God. And I am Gomer. I will stand by you. I will do right by you. My heart is for you. In spite of your failings, in spite of your wishy-washiness, I won't let go. Someone needs to hear that in this place today. Because the enemy would come in and say that you're not worth it, that you have screwed up too much, that, that, that there's no way that God would come around again. And I have to tell you that he is a God of unfailing love, of compassion, of righteousness, of justice, and he won't let you go. We find this in an obscure book in Hosea, and we can kind of think, well, these are, these are just... Old, dusty Old Testament words, but these are not dusty and they're not old. These are kingdom words. Mm. These are words that find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus. Because Jesus embodied these words as he went about his ministry. He was always on the side of the poor and the oppressed. He was concerned about the poverty of people's lives, not just the physical poverty, but the poverty of people's spirits. And everywhere, everywhere Jesus went, the world was changing, the blind were seen, the lame were walking, the oppressed were given dignity, the dead places in people's lives was being resurrected to life. Kingdom words. And he came. Jesus came to bring you that life, Amen. to bring you that grace, that forgiveness, that love, that righteousness, justice, compassion, and faithfulness. Someone needs to hear this morning that Jesus loves you in spite of yourself. 
He loves you. He loves you. Receive that today. So all of this, this stuff from Jesus put him on a collision course with those who wanted the world to stay the same because they were profiting from it. When we receive that message of righteousness, justice, unfailing love, compassion, and faithfulness, when we receive it, something happens on the inside of us, and we are transformed, we are called to go. We're called to go and share that message wherever and whenever we can. Like there's just that, that natural response. Those words send us, oh, this is a picture of Sheldon and Anna Armitage and their family. They're, they were called from Vancouver to go to Slovakia and they pastor an international church in Bratislava, the capital of, of Slovakia. The good news of God's love is not for us to hold inside. <laughs> we have to be ready to share. In God's economy, to those who've been given much, they are compelled to share. And not just speak it. To not just yell about it on a street corner. But to model the love that we've received. It's the natural outflow of receiving. God says, you've got to come back to me in the same way that I come at you. And you do that not by, not by just loving me, but by loving all the neighbors. Those neighbors who leave their music on too loud. Those neighbors who fight. Those neighbors who drive their truck over your lawn when they're drunk. These divine qualities of righteousness, justice, steadfast love, compassion, and faithfulness ought to be reproduced in every believer's life. And when that happens, we will see spiritual and physical transformation in our communities. Okay, I get a little excited because it's life-changing stuff. So let's look at those, those big words and what it means for us uh, to walk them, walk them out. The first word, righteousness. So we've heard from Leanne about what righteousness is from God. But from us, righteousness isn't just about being personally pious, prim, proper. It's actually far stronger than that because it's not a pulling away from the darkness. It's a going towards it. Righteousness is bringing rightness where there is wrongness. It's going to the dark places in your community and in your world to go where the need is. Don't just hang out in the church. You go where, where, there's, where there's wrongness. It's, it's Jesus hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners and bringing his kingdom there for the sake of a new kingdom. It's, it's being out and engaged with your neighborhood and seeing who needs what and making a difference with them have a little video of Nelson and Lisa Montero in Brazil, and they actually moved to a community, a hard place, a dark place, to make a difference. Hi friends, greetings from Brazil. We are here in the community of Vila Feliz, a happy village in English, where the locals say that the average age for a boy to die if, she, if he stays in this community is 17 years old. And we definitely see the problems here. We see 
problems with drugs and prostitution and crime and violence and alcohol abuse, to name a few. Um, but at the same time, we see a great place for God to manifest who He is, um, to show how His righteousness takes shape in a community like this, and to use us to bring more of His truth and His beauty and goodness uh, that are marks of His kingdom to this community. So we see God changing things here. We see transformation happening before our eyes. So we continue to uh, labor among the kids in this community with our projects, um, uh, desiring that we will become a tangible expression, a tangible expression of who God is um, and what His kingdom looks like in a place like this. Um, so we see many signs of the fall still for sure. But we also see that as we are here, God is bringing more and more of His kingdom each day to these kids, to their families, to this community, this nation, and to the nations. So may His kingdom come. Mm. So they moved to that dark community. They were in a different city, and they heard about Happy Village, and they moved there with their family to that dark place to make a difference. The next word is justice. And justice from us is ensuring for our global community that they have everything necessary for a viable life. It's desiring the very best for all people where nothing is wanting. And this is really an enough is enough kind of stand. Where there's a standing up for the community. Not for personal strokes or for power, but actually to make a difference in the lives of others. It actually means redistributing our resources to those who don't have. For example, clean water. That is a fixable problem. Like it's not, like we have the technology, we have the resources, and it's time for us to actually make a difference with clean water. Food. You know, like, there's all, all talk of food shortages and people die. Like people die every day from a lack of clean water and a lack of food. But did you know that in North America, in a single year, we throw away enough food to feed the entire planet? So there's something incredibly wrong. And it's time for us to move from a pleasure-seeking life model to a justice model where we're making a difference. Here's a, a video of, of uh, Cavell Dove there in Southeast Asia, and they've got this crazy cool initiative with women. For us here in Southeast Asia, justice is really an action word, and it means engaging, whether it be the political or economic or social situation of people, real people, and the countries where we live and work, to help them and to uh, be a part of finding solutions to the problems that they face in their lives. For us here in Yangon, we have started something called the Yangon Bakehouse. And it's a skills training for women in a country where 40% of the people are unemployed and many live on less than a dollar a day. So these women that work with us, they are uh, coming from tragic stories of uh, supporting families, supporting children, supporting grandparents and parents and children and disabled children and a whole host of things and they are making tough decisions about what they can do to actually live and survive. And so for us, we've been providing job skills training. We provide sandwiches, salads, healthy lunches. Um, 
and this is a way that these women learn job skills. And so for the first time, they have security, and they have a stable income. And when women have a stable income, that means children have food to eat, and children go to school. And what it means for the family is, is almost impossible to describe, the difference that it can make. So this is what justice really means for us. I love that, that when moms get fed and have income, kids get fed, kids go to school, and families are transformed. The next uh, word is unfailing love, being tenacious with relationship, fixed and not fickle, which is the opposite of what our culture expects of us. And somehow uh, we've gotten worse at jumping from project to project to project without sticking with the one thing to make a difference long term. For example, whenever there's a national or an international disaster, governments stand up and say, we're going to help with that disaster. We're going to send this many million of dollars to make a difference there. Most governments never honor their commitments. They send a pittance of what they were going to send, but then they back off and move to the next disaster. And unfailing love is the opposite of that. Quick video for you from Steve and Kathy Bowler. Uh, he runs the Fountain of Life, which is to AIDS uh, victims. And she runs Children of Blessing, which is a ministry to disabled kids, a program uh, for them and their families. And then we have a story about a young girl whose name is Rachel. And she went missing from our program. She's a child with a severe disability. And her mom was bringing her faithfully to our center for uh, therapy and for medication. And she disappeared one day, didn't come back for quite a while. So we sent one of our workers to her house to find out what happened. And when she came back, this was a, a, a mom of uh, seven children who also had a child with a disability, who was also fairly poor, came back, and she was really, really sad. I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, when I went to the house, the child was home by herself. She's seven years old. She was inside the house. She was lying on the cement floor. She didn't even have a mattress to lay on. And her mom and her sister were not at home. And when they asked her where her mom was, she said she was out trying to find some food for the family they hadn't eaten in three days. And so I said, well, the mom, the, or person that went to the house said, you must come back to the center. Let us try and help you. So she came the next day. We were able to buy her maize and beans and uh, help them with some clothes and get her back coming to the, to the program for therapy, providing transportation for her to come. And the next time I saw the mom, she was dancing. She was so happy because now someone showed that they loved her, they cared about her, they missed her and her child. And uh, so now we have the child with the disability coming to the center for therapy three times a week. And her sister is coming to our preschool five days a week and they have food to eat at home. And so they, these are some of the ways that Children of Blessing Trust is able to help the kids with disabilities. <laughs> Love that his phone was ringing. I asked him, Who, who's calling you? He's like, it was you. Oh. <laughs> I was asking, where's your video? Like, I need it. <laughs> uh, the second to last word is, is compassion. And, and compassion is, is that tenderness. Oh, I went one too far. Uh, tenderness and, okay, slow down here, McAllister. There. Tenderness as it relates to the weak and the needy. It's an emotional response. And for us, uh, many times we'll not uh, 
give in to our emotions. We'll try and push them to the side. But God created us with that emotional response to things, and it's his call. It's his words to us to respond emotionally. It's not wrong. Don't feel bad if you respond emotionally. Uh, this is just a, a little girl in Zimbabwe at one of our orphanages, uh, the Village of Hope. She just made me smile. Like, they're singing away, and, and she's clapping. And I, so, I, I, like, I wanted to ask about her story. Like, who is this little girl? What, what, why is she there? It's a picture of Lisa. And Lisa was brought to the Village of Hope uh, as, a, as a critically ill baby, about seven or eight months old. She wasn't able to even sit up or move. She was malnourished and HIV positive. And social welfare in Zimbabwe asked our Village of Hope if they would take her in until she passed away. So they were giving her a couple weeks to live. And our Village of Hope people said, no. We won't take her in to pass away. We'll take her in so that she can live. Like, we'll take her in. And it was like this, this, mm! and I, like, it's like, no, no. And there's this thing that happens in your gut. And when it happens in your gut, it's not wrong. It's actually God trying to get your attention. And so this month she turns four and she is the delight of the village with her smile. She's still behind verbally and in some of her motor skills, but she starts school <laughs> this fall. Compassion. Well, let me close with the word faithfulness. I won't drop you. I won't let you go. Dependable to love, not distracted, but faithful to Christ and faithful to the mission of God to bring all people into relationship with himself. For you, in your neighborhood, you'll make a huge difference, a huge impact by being who you say you are, your words being lived out and modeled. It means that with, with missions, it's a commitment to give and to pray. With your commitments to the community, it actually means committing to serve others and delivering on those and committing to pray. Like I loved, Ray, your, uh, your, your, your response on the phone. Can we, can we pray for you? Unbelievers, pre-Christians, actually expect you to be praying people. So it's not a surprise to them if you say, hey, can I pray for you? Don't be afraid to do that. So, what does God want for all people? He wants righteousness. He wants justice. He wants unfailing love, compassion, and faithfulness. And he wants you to be the instrument of that to the neighbors. So are you in? We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.